0: This episode is brought to you by Blissoma. Blissoma offers healthy, sustainable personal care products that are intelligently designed, deeply supportive of the human body, and that help their clients address and improve complex skin challenges in a holistic way. You should be buying skincare from a brand that is clear and honest and committed to making sure you're receiving the right products for your unique skin needs through healthy ingredients, ethical business practices, and value. I'm all about value. I've been especially enjoying their Good Earth Exfoliant Powder. It's a face mask that actually comes in powder form. You add a little bit of water, and it is a gentle exfoliant that leaves your skin with the nicest glow from this turmeric and natural antioxidants. You can use the code Chic at Blossoma.com for 20% off their Defend Ecosystems product line. Again, that's Blossoma.com, B-L-I-S-S-O-M-A.com, and the code is Chic. Everything you do is making an impact in this world. This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. How dare you! And I feel like it's my responsibility as a human being. So what? The world is at stake. You're listening to Eco Chic, a podcast about climate, sustainability, and eco conscious lifestyles. What? Like it's hard? Happy Tuesday, everyone. My name is Laura Diaz, and you're listening to a podcast called Eco Chic. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And why don't you just go ahead while you're listening, leave a little rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate it. You are looking so good today. I hope you're having a great day, and I appreciate you hanging out with me for a little while. Today's episode is inspired by a tweet I saw recently, which read along the lines of, We don't need a few perfect vegans, we need millions of people actively reducing their consumption of animal products. I liked this a lot because I think that there is a stigma associated with veganism, and I think this is also a movement that's gaining a lot of mainstream attention, a bit of a double-edged sword. There are some serious climate implications in support of a plant-rich diet, and I hope today we can open up the dialogue around occasional participation in a seriously impactful movement. I'll be making the case today for part-time veganism. Also as a heads up, today's episode mostly focuses on veganism as a movement, as a consumer choice, things like that, so we don't necessarily get too into the stats, the land use, the reasons that veganism works for climate change solutions, and I'll have episodes on that linked in the show notes if you're interested in learning more. One fifth or 20% of overall global greenhouse gas emissions are attributed to Western meat centric diets. Business as usual emissions could be reduced by as much as 70% through adopting a vegan diet and 63% for a vegetarian diet. So that's pretty significant when we're talking about cheese, milk, eggs, animal products. Those stats are from a 2016 study, which I will link in the show notes. If you are eating just one plant-based meal a day for a year, you'll save almost 200,000 gallons of water, which is the equivalent to 11,400 showers. That's really wild. And the pollution equivalent of about 3,000 miles driven in your car, which is the distance approximately from New York City to Los Angeles. One meal a day. Those are what those stats represent. Those stats are from the organization One Meal a Day, OMD, founded by Susie Amis Cameron, who was a great guest on this show, episode 109, with red carpet, green dress. Doesn't seem like such a huge ask, does it? One meal a day, a single plate of food without any animal products on it. Here's my favorite part about part-time veganism. As an environmentalist, I practice what I like to call vegan at home, which means just as it sounds, I only purchase vegan products at the grocery store. If I'm at a restaurant and there's a meal on the menu with fish that sounds like exactly what I want that day, that's okay. I'm going to order it. However, at the grocery store, I focus on reducing my plastic footprint by living a whole food plant-based lifestyle. Assuming we're not buying any of the processed vegan meats, which can totally be delicious, we're buying things like beans, rice, nuts, quinoa, lentils, of course fruits and vegetables, things I can often find in bulk bins depending on where I'm shopping. But at the least, I can find them canned or in otherwise plastic-free packaging. Cans are an awesome option because aluminum is infinitely recyclable and glass can be too, depending on where you live. Vegan at home allows me to lower my waste on an individual household level. Maybe you're like, yeah, that sounds really nice, but I'm just one person. It's the corporations when we're talking about climate change. It's big corporations. And yes, We know that 75% of global greenhouse gas emissions are attributed to just 90 companies. It's pretty disgusting when you realize so few powerful agencies are kind of to blame for the current state of the climate crisis. And usually I'm an advocate for personal change because it encourages you to vote for representatives that are also serious about decarbonization. It encourages you to write letters and petition and demand that your favorite businesses assess their carbon footprints. If you don't care on an individual level, you're not going to be advocating for those bigger scale changes. However, today we're talking about food, we're talking about part-time veganism, and I really do believe that the individual consumer has perhaps a stronger influence in food than in any other sector, especially let's think transportation, city infrastructure, things like that. Food is something that's deeply personal. Everyone eats and everyone has some level of choice in their food purchases. If consumers are demanding more plant-based products, that's what the market will supply. And maybe you're like, Laura, that's just too simplistic. Life is not Econ 101. Let's think about how much space in the grocery store is now dedicated to plant-based products. Ten years ago, were you going to find a whole freezer dedicated to dairy-free ice cream? Or what about those freezers that are dedicated entirely to plant-based alternatives to chicken nuggets and burgers, things like that? How many different kinds of plant milk can we pick from nowadays when you're going into a Publix or a Kroger or wherever it may be? Something I do want to make clear is that I'm not a nutritionist, so I generally don't advocate for health-related reasons to go vegan. There are indeed a fair amount of studies in peer-reviewed journals that link animal products, both meats and dairy to a whole bunch of strange health impacts like acne, cholesterol, high blood pressure, even certain kinds of cancers. In fact, that 2016 study I mentioned earlier found that globally, $1 trillion in annual health care costs and lost productivity would be saved if Western cultures just started reducing their meat intake, $1 trillion that could be totally avoided. And again, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a doctor, but I encourage you to look into the research if you're so inclined, scholar.google.com, so you know it's research and not miscellaneous opinion websites. And maybe you're like, ah, maybe I believe in this, I'm not really sure, maybe, it's totally fine. That's where our part-time veganism comes into play. You don't have to commit to this new, maybe healthy lifestyle. You can pick and choose. Pick a day to be vegan, pick a meal to be vegan, figure out what works for you. On the flip side, there are some people who can't go fully vegan for health reasons, and I think it's important that this vegan movement is inclusive and inviting to those individuals. Again, pick a style of veganism that works for you. We're not living in a day and age where ride-or-die veganism is your only option if you're thinking about your health or if you're thinking about the planet. I also want to flip this conversation over and point out that veganism can be an elite practice. Plant-based meats can be expensive if you're choosing to buy some. And so can alternatives to cow milk. Milk prices are what they are and beef prices are what they are because agriculture is pretty heavily subsidized in America. It's often less expensive to opt for cow's milk or a $2 carton of eggs or that costco size package of chicken breast than to purchase all of those plant-based alternatives. There is a kind of veganism that requires some level of financial privilege. There is also privilege when it comes to access going to grocery stores in your neighborhood, having grocery store options, having regular access to fresh food if you are opting for that whole food, plant-based lifestyle that I personally enjoy. There are communities that live in food deserts and more than you might expect in your immediate area. And there's also communities that live in food apartheid, which is a term that represents the fact that oftentimes lack of availability of healthy food disproportionately affects communities of color. It's also pretty elitist of me to be presenting plant-based lifestyles and part-time veganism as a novel idea, because there are cultures and communities around the world that have been living this way for generations. We've acknowledged all of that privilege around veganism, plus let's consider the fact that a lot of people just don't want to commit to going totally vegan. It really adds to the urgency around normalizing part-time veganism. Why are we shaming people for trying to do better for the planet and for their health? Why are we shaming people for participating in veganism because it's trendy? Honestly, I don't care if you're doing it because it's trendy, because at the end of the day, we're getting the same result. People are cutting down on their consumption of animal products. And shaming people for not doing it, quote unquote, the right way or putting perfect vegans on some sort of weird moral pedestal literally gets nothing done besides push people further away from the movement. And I'd like us to wind down with a quote from Drawdown, drawdown drawdown.org. They're probably my favorite resource I recommend most often when I'm asked about digestible climate research. And you can find their work again at drawdown.org. Consumption of meat and dairy, as well as overall calories, often exceeds nutritional recommendations. Parring down and favoring plant-based food reduces demand thereby reducing land clearing, fertilizer use, burping cattle, and greenhouse gas emissions. There you have it. Even science is only asking you to eat more plants sometimes. Part-time veganism for your health, for the health of the planet, maybe for your wallet and your plastic footprint, and maybe even just because it's trendy, whatever you choose, there's a reason for it. The last thing I want to leave you guys with is a little bit of a personal note. Everyone who is on the journey to full-time veganism slips up. Literally everyone. When you're first trying to go vegan, there's no manual. It's up to you to read every label and make every little modification when you're eating out. You ingest animal products sometimes without even knowing it because there are way too many processed foods that have random 2% added milk powder. Forgive yourself and move on. Personal story, closing note, so if you don't care, feel free to click out. But... About a year ago, I was on a cross country road trip. I was moving back to the East Coast after living in Arizona for a few years and my brother met me halfway. So I picked him up in Oklahoma City. So I picked up my brother, we got to dinner and we really didn't have a ton of options just given that we were traveling and moving and whatever. So Danny and I, Danny's my brother, we go out to this pub, this burger, sports bar, brewery kind of place. I feel like you can envision it, every downtown has one and they have a Beyond Burger on the menu. Beyond Burgers are just a brand of plant-based burger patties. Now, as a side note, I gave up beef as a New Year's resolution years ago, way before I even thought about veganism or part-time veganism, so I haven't had a beef burger in forever. I had never tried a Beyond Burger before, but Danny said they were really good and super realistic, so I was like, okay, I'm intrigued, let me order one. No cheese, no mayo, I made my normal modifications in hopefully the least annoying way that I could and I get my burger, and I'm like, wow, this tastes kind of weird. This is a taste that I don't really know. It's even pink in the middle, and Beyond Burgers supposedly have a little pink, and it's almost bloody looking because they have beet juice inside for that effect. Anyway, long story short, the bill comes out. I'm charged for something totally different. I asked the waitress about it, and she recites back an order for a very specific kind of burger that was not close to what we asked for, and she confirmed my deep suspicion that it was, in fact, a beef burger. Surprise, surprise. And what was I going to do? Like, get upset with her at that point, I already ate it. And she apologized for the misunderstanding, and we were just like, it's okay, everyone makes mistakes, everybody has those days. We moved on, and I kid you not, the guilt I felt. I talked about that burger all day in the car for the next three days, and Daniel was ready to leave me at a gas station in the middle of nowhere, I was being so annoying. I'm kidding, but you get the picture. Here's the worst part, I still think about that burger all the time. And I'm sure someone who has not given up animal products in the past is like, wow, you're being so dramatic. But when I've told the story to other part-time veganisms or red meat reformists, they totally get it. And they want to tell me a story about how one time they made a similar huge and total mistake. The point of the story is everyone slips up. Everyone has their metaphorical Oklahoma City burger at some point in their vegan journey. And with that, my friends, I encourage you to pick and choose and relish the opportunity of part-time veganism because there's never been a better time. I have a few other episodes on intro veganism, things that you can opt for, vegan ideas for your meals, things of the sort, other vegan conversations with guests that I'll link in the show notes if you're so inclined to further explore that topic. Thanks for tuning into Eco Chic, and I look forward to seeing you here next week. Bye.